This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Delving into current events to uncover relevant wisdom. Uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. And hello, everybody. Welcome to the Charlie Harari Show. Hope everyone's doing well. Hope everyone's having a great summer. It's amazing how quickly summer goes, no? Don't you feel that just yesterday was May and all of a sudden we're in September? It's amazing how fast July and August goes in the mind's of Americans, I think we're maybe the whole, whole world, and we are getting ourselves closer and closer to the end of summer. Next week, I'll have the opportunity to be filling in for Buck Sexton on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, and then it's Labor Day, and then we're back into the fall, and life sort of begins again. So, lots going on in the world as always. So much happening in politics, so much happening globally. But I wanted to get dedicate the show to something that I saw this week. You know, I've got a special place in my heart for. Uh, the men and women in the service in our military, not because I've ever was in the military, because I think it's just sort of part and parcel of what it means to be, you know, American, right? You got to respect those that sacrifice themselves for the things that we have and that we enjoy. And this week in Long Island, there was a story of a terrible story of a man, a 76 year old veteran named Peter Kaysen out of Islip, who had gone to one of the VA hospitals for his mental issues and was turned away in the ER and went into his car and shot himself. It was a, it's a horrible, horrible story about a person who spent his life fighting for us and then at the end of his life had to take it because there was nobody there to help him. And it's just, it's just really, really sad to see people that are not being serviced properly after they've given us so much. And I decided that, as opposed to doing the typical show, I wanted to dedicate the show to all our servicemen, and go back in my archives to a podcast that I did a year ago um, called Unlocking Greatness, that I've, I interview really people that I've, I, I admire and respect, and one of the podcasts that were on it was from a guy named Noah Galloway. Noah Galloway was a serviceman in the military who in 2003 was in Iraq when a roadside bomb nearly killed him and left him without a right le- right arm and leg. And he got home, he started to really suffer from depression and hopelessness. And then he found a way to overcome his challenge and really become an inspiration to many, 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 many people. Um, I found this story to be incredibly inspiring, and I know you will as well. So um, hope you enjoy it. It's a, an interview that I did with uh, Noah Galloway, and I think it's something that, in honor of this individual who, who, who took his life and passed away this week, really in honor of all our military men and women who are out there, who, who face tremendous calamity, who face tremendous danger, who come back here, who struggle, who overcome, who live, who live incredibly productive, amazing lives. I figured this week I'd like to take a minute to really gain our inspiration from one of them so that they can help us in our lives become the people that we're meant to be. So here it is, and I hope you enjoy. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. 
The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. If you haven't heard about him, I don't know where you are because he is everywhere. And just Google him and you just can't stop watching his clips. He's a soldier that fought for our country in Operation Iraqi Freedom and suffered an incredible injury that really should have just put him out for the rest of his life, but it didn't. In fact, he turned it around and became an inspiration to millions of people. And you got to hear this story. You got to stick with us. Noah, thanks so much for joining us in the studio. Thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor to have you here. First of all, on behalf of everybody, thank you so much for your service. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. It's it's great to have you. Not only that, it's great to have you right, right by Veterans Day. And, and just the fact that you're here and what you've done for our country, Just we're honored to have you in the studio. Thank you. So tell us a little bit um, about what happened. I know that you were on your second tour of duty mm-hmm. in Operation Iraqi Freedom, and you're you're running out. And I don't know all these terms, so you got to help me out. But you're on you're on some kind of route, and you're run and you're 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 driving the yeah. Humvee at night, and you hit a roadside bomb. Yeah, yeah. I was driving. I was driving a Humvee. It was at by 2005. We had armored Humvees, mm-hmm. um, and I it you drive your headlights off, night vision goggles on. Mm-hmm. And with night vision goggles, you can see well, but you can't see everything. And what I didn't see was a tripwire stretched across the road. And when my front tires hit it, it detonated a roadside bomb large enough that when it hit my door, the driver's side door, it threw this 9,000-pound armored Humvee flying through the air. Oh, my gosh. And uh, we landed in a canal running adjacent to the road. And thankfully, we landed wheels down uh, because I was completely unconscious. Uh, my friend said that the water was up to my chest. I had a huge hole in my jaw, and they, it took a while. The struggle for them to get me out of the vehicle up the embankment because uh, I was just wrapped up in, in all the metal and everything, and they were able to get me up into a Humvee and back to uh, an old potato factory we were living out of where medics worked on me. A helicopter picked me up, took me to Baghdad, Baghdad to Germany, and then Germany to Walter Reed Orr Medical Center in D.C., and that's when I woke up Christmas Day, six days later. So you were unconscious for five days. Yes. And they just kept on working on you. And to your, your everyone else was okay in that Humvee except for you? Yeah, but I didn't know when I woke up. I woke up, and it was all news to me from my parents that, you know, they my arm was blown off immediately, my left arm above the elbow. My jaw was shattered, so my mouth was wired shut when I woke up. I had a lot of injuries to my right leg. And my left leg was amputated somewhere in between. They had to remove it from the knee. So I woke up to being told all of this. And I remember I was like, well, what about everybody else in the vehicle? Mm -hmm. What else happened? And no one in the hospital knew. And they was like, well, we don't know. And it was a good week or two before my platoon leader, Lieutenant Edson, that was in the Humvee with me, had gotten some minor injuries, so but he was back at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. You know, back you know they put him what's called Rear D. He wasn't deployed, but he was he had a cast on his hand, mm-hmm. uh, going through some rehab, and he was able to call me, and he told me that I took the worst of it. No one else was, you know, severely injured or killed. And it was that moment that I went from worrying about my brothers to it turned around. And it was like, oh crap, what am I going to do about me? Right, and so so that that's that, that's a key moment I want to sort of focus in on because. What happens to people in life sometimes is that they're 
they go through some trauma. And as soon as they, the trauma sort of sets in, mm. there is a feeling. And those are, there are multiple feelings. And I want to get yours, which is it's either like, why me? Or I wish I never gone. Or what was I thinking? What was your first feeling when everything sort of set in? It was, and- you know, I'll tell you, you say that, you know, like, why'd I ever go in? Or, you know, I never, even when I was going through depression, I was upset. It was always the future that... I was scared of what what I do now, mm-hmm. you know, how will I, you know, do anything? And I never regretted any decision, not once, not as angry as I got. I don't know why, but I was never mad at anyone. Uh, you know, I was, you know, I enlisted after September 11th, you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't drafted, you know, this is, this is a, you know, a new day in our life. I decided to go in, dropped mm-hmm. out of college, um, was on the initial invasion of Iraq in 2003, chose to reenlist. You know, wanted to be part of another deployment. Um, I had my oldest son went through some complications at birth. They weren't going to make me go on my second deployment. Mm-hmm. He got better right before, and I insisted I go. The <laughs> night that I got hit, I wasn't supposed to be in that vehicle. I insisted I go and drive that vehicle. So it's like I put myself in every situation. So right. basically I think that I don't get mad at anybody because the only person I could blame is myself. So what was going on, if you can take us there, because it's such an important piece that I don't want to run over, is why? What was it that had Draw, you know, this you're putting yourself in conflict. You're putting yourself in danger. You're putting yourself, and you consistently do that. Mm. It, you could have said, "Hey, listen, I, I have my service to the country," and you could have gone away, and it, everyone would have been okay with yeah, it. It would have been good. What was going on in your mind that got you to a place to say, "I want more. I want, want more. more. I want more." You know, like you know, when I when I enlisted, when I dropped out of college to go in, I mean, that was that was for the love of my country. You know, I never thought about going in the military, uh, I mean, briefly, but just wasn't really sold on it. There was nothing going on. But when 9-11 happened, it didn't matter what I wanted. This is for the country. Um, when I was in Iraq the first time, I had this feeling of just it was so masculine uh, what we were doing. Uh, like one day we were about to go on patrol. It was around Christmas. And one of the guys said to me, he said, why are you so happy? We live in hell. And I said, because we're doing what most people can't. Mm. Most people go to watch what we do every day mm. in a movie. That's what I love. Yeah. And it was there was a moment, this real powerful moment that I had on my second deployment to Iraq. Where I'm on this three-story building, you know, uh, overlooking this village. And um, I'm standing on the roof, you know, got one leg propped up on the wall, you know, and ha- didn't have a Kevlar or gear on. It was just my, you know, fatigues and, you know, a T-shirt. And I'm just standing there. I'm just looking at this village. Uh, and I've got this thought in my mind that's like, I can help you or I can destroy you. You know, I mean, it sounds crazy to hear it, mm-hmm. uh, but it's just nothing felt more manly. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I was feeding off of that. I loved it because right. it is. I loved working with the locals. It wasn't just all about being, you know, this this jerk that was just do whatever. No, it was. It felt good to be a part of it. Wow, that's such a great point that I think many people will not appreciate in their lives, which is when you put yourself in very difficult situations that are meaningful, after you put yourself in them, you actually feel like, hey, there's nothing else. When you volunteer, when you get involved, when you take on responsibility, at first, most people are like, no, 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 no. Look at what I got to do. Look Mm -hmm. at the things that are in front of me. I got to join the military and I got to train and I got to go someplace. They don't want me there and I got to leave my family and I got a baby at home and these are a million excuses, mm-hmm. but once you go through your excuses and you get to the meaning, you start to taste what meaning 
is yes. in itself. Yes. And that's an incredible thing into itself that you're able to do that. And there are a lot of people who live their lives, by the way, and never taste that because they just can't get past that obstacle of I got to work for something that's going to yes. feel really good. You know, I think there's two things that, you know, people worry, they, they avoid the obstacles. Uh, I had this conversation with my 10 year old the other day. We were talking about his subjects in class. He wasn't doing well in, in social studies. And I'm like, that's a harder subject for you, but math is easy. He's like, yeah, I mean, math he can do in his sleep. You know, I'm like, other people struggle with that. I was like, you need to be working harder on something. Like, that's the one you need to be shooting for an A because math happens. Right. You know, but people in life, they stick with what's safe. They don't go after what is what challenges them. Yeah. You know, and for me, and that's actually what helped me in my recovery because then suddenly I was depressed because I felt like I'd never be physical again because two of my limbs were gone. Right. And then suddenly I was like, why don't I just be more physical than I was before? And that's what I started pushing was to do everything that I shouldn't have been doing. You know, the obstacle course races, the mountain climbing, everything that is difficult, missing an arm and a leg. I mean, when I'm running an obstacle course race, I'm not just doing it twice as hard as everyone else because I'm using two limbs. No, there's a lot more that goes into I'm that. Sure. The way it affects my body, the overtraining it does on my joints. But you know what? It's about that challenge. It's about pushing it and overcome those things. Where did you get this from? Where did you get this mentality from? This is a mentality that is the reason why you're sitting here today, and I want to delve into it in a place where people can hear it. But before we even go there, where did it come from? Were you born with it? Was it like how – you know? I, did it, something happen when you were younger? Did your parents put this into you? Where does somebody get this mentality from? You know, I, I've, I've looked at it myself because I get that question a lot, you know, you know and – I have now, interesting thing is, my father has one arm. I mm. uh, lost it when he was 18, working in a plant, machine malfunctioned. He's below the elbow. I'm above, but he, my entire life, he's done construction with one hand. So wow. he just kept going. So there's that. You're seeing and it. And then there's this, you know, my mom's side of the family, the military history. My grandfather, at the age of 15, changed his birth certificate to join the military. Wow. He, you know, served in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. Wow. Uh, his son, uh, my uncle, um, was not drafted for Vietnam. He enlisted. Vietnam started when he was in high school. As soon as he graduated, he went in as a paratrooper on his second tour there, was severely injured and was sent home. We're close. Uh, I've got a cousin that, you know, was Marine Force Recon. He went in, you know, served in Iraq, same time I did. Now he works for a company where he pulls security for diplomats all over the world. Uh, his dad retired as a colonel. You know, I, so it's like I have these different things, the yeah. physical and then the, the, the military mindset that all kind of come together in the same place. You, you're, so you're surrounded with people that could face obstacles and get through them. That's, yeah, I mean, that's I've got your culture. You know, and I've got uh, three sisters that are all extremely successful. My oldest sister has a doctorate in childhood education, teaches teachers. She's so passionate about what she does. My youngest sister is a teacher teaching special ed in the high school. You don't want to talk about a difficult job? Yeah. Really hard. And then I've got another sister that, you know, manages a department store. I mean, they're hard workers. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I've been thankful that I'm in a position where people want to hear my story. But I have, I come from a family of just one successful person after another. And I'm just proud to be part of it. And I want to do as much as I can to keep up with them. Yeah. What's great about the what, what you're saying here, and I want to make sure it's clear, is that it's just how you're defining it, which is you're defining success the way success should be defined, which is we overcome obstacles. Yes. You're not defining success by we have these many Facebook friends or this much money or this much – our house sizes or this <laughs> many square feet. What you're saying is I'm around successful people def defined by I got people that could get away with stuff 
that could not do things. My dad, your dad didn't have to do what he's doing. No. Your dad could have complained his whole life because of a yes. malfunction and sat in the house yep. and said, you see what's going on with the world? You're, you're around people that when the going gets tough, they just get better. Exactly, exactly. And, and I, that is so critical for everybody that when you go through life with that mentality, that's how you ended up in the military. That's how you ended up going back where you could have said, hey, my son's got complications. I need a little bit of extra time. They wouldn't have sent you to Iraq. Yeah, no, they weren't. In fact, he like he got better a month before there was you know a big – all these articles were written. We were down in Children's Hospital in Nashville. He had gotten, he'd gotten better. You know, we everything was good. He had a stomach tube, a central line. All this stuff came out a month before the unit went back to Iraq, and I went up my chain of command and was like, I got to go with my men. Oh, I love that. He's good. You know, he's he's fine. Everything's good. I got to go to work. What was it like leaving your family? So the first deployment was tough. I was married um, to my oldest son's mom. Uh, but the second deployment was harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, not to be – I mean, not to sound mean, but, you know, a wife is one thing. But leaving my son – the second deployment, yeah. that was tough. You know, I yeah. carried his picture around with me, but yeah. I had to tell myself, this is this is my job. This is what yeah. I have to do. Now, there are things that have happened since then. Like, when I made the cover of Men's Health, when they titled me the 2014 Ultimate Guy that was awesome. uh, last fall, that was- uh, you know, people started calling me. I started doing interviews everywhere. Well, then Survivor called me to come on their show. And I thought, wow, this is cool. We did one phone call, though, because it's X amount of weeks, no contact back home. You get voted off. You have to stay with the crew. You have to wait. And I told them on that one phone call we had, I said, I've got to turn this down. I have three young kids. At this point now, I had three um, that uh, there's no money or fame that's more important can take me away from that. them. Because this that was a, that's a TV show. It's not a deployment. It's not for the country. It's not for the greater good. It's just for a TV show. So I turned it down. And then another show called, and I turned them down for the same reason. And then when Dancing with the Stars called me, <laughs> a show I, I haven't watched, they know that. They know I'm not their demographic. <laughs> um, <laughs> They call really, me. Really? Not getting military guys watching in Iraq? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you guys are chilling out, you're not watching Yeah, Disney everyone's like, have you seen the latest? No. <laughs> but um, when they called me, uh, when one of the executive producers said, we'll put you in a house in L.A. And I thought, oh, well, this didn't go anywhere. I said, nope, sorry, can't do it. I have three young kids here in Alabama, and I, you know, I can't be away that long. And she said, well, that's not a problem. The dancer will come to Birmingham, Alabama, and you can rehearse there and fly back and forth. And I was like, oh, crap. I guess I got to do this. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. But, but it, it, just says, it just says so much about your character, about how it's not about running to fame and running away. It's about running to something bigger. And that's, yeah. a, something, that's a distinction <clears throat> that I think is really important in life and that – when you got something meaningful and you increase it with something else that's meaningful, that's okay. But when you're running away from things that are meaningful for things that are not meaningful, no. Um, so let me let, let let's jump in. So now you're you're um you're you're in the hospital and you get home and to experience it. That's what I love. So take me through that because in hearing your story, it sounded to me that it was almost a slow gradual process of yes. depression not like you got home and you said my life is over it no was- it, in fact it was so slow that i wasn't really picking up on it mm. you know it's like i had knew I, I knew that with my injury that it was easy for guys to get hooked on medication mm. so i just stopped all of it and what i didn't see start to happen was i started self-medicating with alcohol mm-hmm. you know i wasn't just going out with friends and having a couple of beers no it was every night i was 
drinking, you know, whether it was home by myself or out with some guys. You know what I mean? I was just I was drinking all the time. I wasn't taking care of myself. and I just laid around uh, and, you know, I would sleep all day. Whatever it was, it was just it, it just started to get worse and worse over time. So where did it come from? Why? Why did you, why did you let it happen? How did it begin? Was it because you felt like you lost your identity? Was it felt like you weren't yeah, who you, you know, are? I, you know, two things. One was the losing two limbs yeah. uh, and, and thinking, well, I'll never be the physical person I was before. And two, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I love being in the military. Those those moments mm. in, on a deployment that you feel and you, you connect with and it's gone. Like I didn't even want to watch military movies. It wasn't an issue I had. It was you watch movies to some to kind of fantasize of being that character you're watching. Right. I couldn't enjoy that because I knew it didn't exist, uh-huh. and that bothered me. So your future changed on you. So yes. your present then went down with it. Exactly. Uh huh. And this didn't happen. This this happens to people all the time, which is why this is so important. Is and sometimes it's not as dramatic. You know, the people don't go through a crisis the way you went through it. But something happens in their lives mm-hmm. and they change their identity, right? They lose somebody and they can't be that yes. spouse because they, or they get fired and they're not going to be that person anymore or something happened in their past. And like you're saying, what they thought their future was going to be is now not it. Yes. And there's no other future they've ever dreamed of. So what happens instead is they just sort of forget now and they, they let it go. Yeah. And get lost. Right. Because they don't know where they're going. Right. And it and, you know. It was a slow process that I didn't see coming because I was I tried to be very aware of what was like, you know, I stopped the medication thinking I was doing the right thing, but then didn't pay attention to what was happening, you know, with the alcohol and everything else. And how deep did you did it go? How 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 what 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 got you to to, to the point where you said, I can't do this anymore? Well, there's a couple of things that happened. You know, I just you know, I, I wasn't happy. I was miserable. I was out of shape. And um my kids, you know, were really young, two boys and a girl, and I had this thought one day where I was like, I'm setting the example for my children. You know, I'm showing my boys what it is to be a man, mm-hmm. and they're growing up. Like, what they're seeing right now is what they think a man is. Right, and that what and they'll was, remember forever. Yes, and I was not setting a good example. Mm. And then what really terrified me the most was I was showing my little girl what a man was Mm -hmm. and that's who she's going to go and find one day right so i realized right then okay there's a problem i have to fix and i have to fix it now and i think that's what what helped me was that urgency i was like things have to change immediately Mm -hmm. because they're growing up and you know i had to make that change and you know i I joined a 24-hour gym i changed my eating habits you know i knew a lot about fitness so i just first thing i did was just change the way i was eating started eating healthier joined a 24-hour gym and I would go in at 2 or 3 in the morning because I didn't know how I was going to work out. Right. And I didn't want anybody to be in my way to see me. And because there was no book, magazine, anything online that would tell you how to work out missing an arm or leg. Uh, even to this day, now that I've gotten in shape, I meet people. Yesterday I met a guy uh, that was missing his arm. And he was like, how do you – I've been following you. How do you work out your left side? You know what I mean? It's, it's not out there. Wow. Uh, but I, I figured out how to use an ankle strap on my residual limb on my arm to work my chest, my shoulder, my back with a cable machine. And then, you know, I used kettlebells and different things for the right side. And, you know, I just start, I was just doing it to get into shape. And then uh, my old platoon leader that was in the Humvee with me, Lieutenant Edson, had gotten out of the military, living in Atlanta. There I am in Birmingham. And he said, hey, I see you've gotten in shape on social media. Do you want to do a race with me? 
and we I went to you know just north of Atlanta and did this 5K obstacle course race, mm-hmm. and the attention I got from everyone there, they were so inspired, they were moved, they wanted to know my story. I was like, I want to do more of these. Wow. This was so fun, and I just it grew and grew to longer and harder races, and I just and this attention started to grow, and that's what you know ultimately uh, caught the eye during this you know. Uh, ultimate guy search that men's health did they said it was the races and the amount of races that i'd done they said if you had all your limbs it was impressive you know and here i was i was doing it you know with two and you know so it was just something that started with one thing and just grew into another and another and during the training and the races there were people reaching out to me you know able-bodied or not they i had people that were like you know i was struggling with weight and i've seen what you've done you've taken my excuses away and that that moves me yeah Uh, and it's happened Throughout everything I've done, I experienced it, you know, after men's health and then Dancing with the Stars. People were just moved by what I was doing, and I want to keep that momentum going. I want to touch as many lives as I can. When you were in the gym, you know, I'm almost picturing now it's 2 o'clock in the morning. You come in the first day, and you're overweight, which is probably not overweight in any way. Yeah, my body type. Yeah, it's not not, not that overweight, which means what? (laughs) So you were, you know, quote, unquote, overweight, and you walked in, and... Um, you were probably fiddling around. Yeah, with, just kind of wandering around. Yeah, the gym what do I do? It, right? Yeah, exactly. Were you at a place where you were like, I, I can't do this? Like after that, you know, what I, I find with people all the time is that people go through a crisis, right? And when the crisis is done, they they descend. There's, mm-hmm. it's like in in many ways, life fits. Uh, it, for great people, if you look at, at the lives of great people, which is, by the way, I think how a lot of movies work, which inspire us, is usually there's, there's four phases, right? Mm-hmm. There's life is normal, and then there's some kind of trauma yeah. that totally changes life as normal for the character. And then the trauma moment is followed by a descent because it's not what it was. So the mm-hmm. guy doesn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. At some point, you know, if it's Rocky Four, whatever it is, <laughs> there's the turnaround moment where yeah. the guy says listen i don't or the woman says i don't care what was i gotta do something different exactly in movies usually that's it and like you get a pump-up song and then like <laughs> he's a new guy and then there's credits right yeah. we win yeah. and then you just go crazy and then you get the soundtrack and you go running with it but in real life i find that after that moment the i'm doing it right the first gym the first week you're killing it people are patting you on the back there's usually uh a little bit of a pit that you fall into. Yes, it does, it does, you know, and I'm glad you brought that up because you know, being someone that you know, and until all this travel I'm doing now, I was doing a lot of personal training, uh, and I'm, I work. I love working with people. It's you know, they don't know a lot about fitness, and I want to teach them and train them. People think that fitness just happens, uh, and yeah. in anything in life, and it's just like you were saying when you're coming out of something, uh, depression or whatever it is, it doesn't. You don't just say. Okay, I'm going to be good now. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> it does not work that way. Right. It was it was a struggle because I mean you go through a couple of weeks where you're, you know, even if you're just in in the gym pushing it really hard, you're eating healthy, you're not seeing the results you want. Right. Whatever it is, things don't happen overnight. Yeah, uh, and it's all about patience, and that's what I would talk to all of my clients about. I'm like, you have to have patience if you want it. You have to realize that it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, the the cover of Men's Health that I was on. That's not how I looked six months after I got back into working out. Right. You know, uh, it's not how I looked a year after. You know, every year to this day, this December will be 10 years since I was injured. And I'm also five years into me being back into really pushing myself. And every 
year I look and say, you know what, I've done something else successful with how I've how I live my life and how I push my body and how I train and everything I do. But had what was it? I'm, I want what was it in your brain that said, I am hitting my fifteenth pit, right? You had it. What were you thinking when you're in the gym? And you're, you're trying to figure out how to work a part of your body that you don't have your limbs for. I mean, this is like real stuff. And, and, and I'm sure there is a moment, because as I hear your story, I'm thinking to myself, he walks in the gym, and I can hear the soundtrack. <laughs> and you put it on, and then like three minutes later, you're running a marathon. But that's not what it was, <laughs> yeah. right? You're probably walking in the gym, and it's not working for weeks. Well, or, I'll tell what you. What did you have in your brain that said, keep on going? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a reference back to when I was talking about uh, my first deployment in Iraq and smiling before deployment and it upsetting one of the guys. And I said, because we're doing what most people can't. Right. I had to be in that mindset in the gym that, you know, even though there, you know, there was a guy next to me working out, super fit, really big, you know, whatever it is. I had to tell myself, and I didn't tell it to him. I don't know him. Right. You know, and I hope that I'm wrong, but I had to convince myself. I wonder if he could do what I'm doing if he lost both of his limbs. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to put myself in that mindset that I was doing something that a lot couldn't. You right. know, and it's you know that's internal. Like even no. it, it's cocky to say out loud. No, it's but not. You have, it's, it's right. You sometimes have to do that to yourself. You know, you have to have that arrogance. You know, it's like those days you get in the morning, you have to look in the mirror and say, "You're the man." You know what yeah. I mean? Sometimes you have to do that to get yourself fired up to keep yourself moving. That's great. I, I love that. And and that's not arrogance. I, I, I just love what you said. And I I hope that everybody listening just gets this. That's great. You have to look yourself in the mirror and say, there's something special about me. Yeah. And no one else may notice it and no one else may care. But I notice it and I care. And this doesn't just apply to something as obvious as what you're going through. This applies to somebody who's grown up in a family where they may be getting trauma, emotional trauma. This mm-hmm. may be somebody who just can't lose weight. This may be someone who just lost his 10th job. This may be somebody who's just not feeling like they are who they are because they never look themselves in the mirror and say, do you know who you are? Exactly. Like, do you have any? Wow. And if you, and yet, but you got to force that on yourself, right? That probably you wasn't natural. Yeah. You had to no, you have tell to, that to yourself. You have to say it, and you have to you have to say you say it enough. Uh, fake, we should say it in the military, fake it till you make it. Yeah, you know, yeah. you may have to stand a few times in that mirror and say, <laughs> it, not really believe it, but just keep doing it, right. keep saying it, and eventually you're going to be like, well, I think that's great. Maybe I'm right. That's great because that that was the person. And what I loved about your story, and it's just to highlight this point, is that so much of your story really is other people. And this is a a piece of life that many of us don't appreciate. You went to the military for other people. You're you got up because of other people. Right? You didn't get up and said, "Hey, I don't look good in a, in a bathing suit. I got to look better when I go to the to, to the beach." You got up and said, "I got little kids I got to worry about." You're now telling me what's exciting you about the obstacle course isn't that feeling you get when you cross the finish line, everyone pats you on the back. What's exciting you is when other people see you. So What's interesting is that what motivated you to get to Iraq is still motivating you. It's that same drive to make other people better. And the drive of giving is the most powerful drive the human being has. It is. If we can think past ourselves. Yeah. You know, and that's like, you know, to give you an example, uh, yesterday I had an event at the JCPenney at the Manhattan Mall with wow. Armatron Watches. You know, I'm, I'm one of their brand ambassadors. Um, and we did a, a meet and greet. 
And for two hours, you know, people were in line. I'm signing, and it's just nonstop. And they kept saying, do you want to take a break? Do you want? I was like, no, no, no. And I was feeding off of these people and their stories and talking to them. And a lot of them follow me on social media, and they're, they're excited to meet me in person. I mean, there were, you know, teenage girls that were shaking when they were hugging me to take a picture. And it was just incredible. And afterwards, I was talking to a couple of people, we, you know, when we – they had to like pull me away from everybody. Like the people, the line broke, and they were just all around the table. And I was like, "I'll sign some more." Um, I was explaining to them that there was a speech I watched uh, from Fred Rogers. You know, it was Mister Rogers. Yeah, and he had made a comment that you know his job being on television, he's a servant. You know, to make sure that you know those that watch him day and night, you know, get something positive. Mm-hmm. And I truly feel like what I'm doing is you know, to push those, those, that positivity and, and be a servant. You know, when someone said to me, I say, you know, you're, you're so nice to take time with your fans. I'm like, you know, these aren't my fans. You know, that sounds like I'm a celebrity. No, these are people that are following my story and they have a story themselves. And I love to hear theirs. Mm-hmm. I work for them. You know, it's whatever they need from me is what I want to do. And so why wouldn't I stop for them? Yeah. You know, that's, that's what it's about. Without them, no one would be hearing my story. Yeah, and, and what's so great about that idea, the servant leadership, the servant, the you're in service of others, is that it in the beginning it sounds like you'll have less because you're thinking of others, but in the end you have much more. In the end, your ability to push yourself will be, I think, much greater because what's getting you to push yourself is other people. Yeah. And, and I think that people don't fully appreciate that enough, that when you're thinking, hey, I am in service of other people. What you get in return for giving up yourself is an elevated self, yes. right? That's what it is. You get a new self. You get you get a person that is thinking. I got to push, right? Because see, I, and this is, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Like, I think there's a piece of us that we don't realize that is the piece that we want to become, and that you only get to that piece when you give yourself up yes. for someone else. Yes. You know, and it's like, you know, you were talking about, you know, realizing what it is that's most important and why people do what it is, you know, because some people are more motivated by money. Uh, I may never make a million dollars, but there's that there's a moment right before we all fall asleep, you know, where it doesn't really matter where you're laying, what it's on, how nice the sheets are, what car you have in your driveway. But there's that brief moment. And in that brief moment, you're either really satisfied with the decisions you've made that day. Or you've got a little bit of regret, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what numbers on your bank account or anything, because for that brief moment right before you doze off into sleep, that's it. Yeah. yeah and I would the- rather have a smile on my face and know that my kids see that as well than to make a lot of money. Yeah, I read this article where someone was writing, you know, in life we are so busy building our resume, and we're not spending enough time writing our eulogy. Mm, yes, and if you just write, if you write your eulogy more than build your resume, you'd start to really gain perspective. And and like you said in the beginning, it's the 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 definition of success is overcoming the challenge that is in front of you. Yes, um, makes you into a person you're never going to be. And and almost like your story is very movie esque in that what happens in these characters in the movie is that in every story is that you become a different person. Mm-hmm. And and I bet you you would. Of course, you'd obviously want to have your limbs. I, w- I would. I would. You probably never want to have gone through this, but I wonder what you think of of your life now. Well, so I was having a conversation with a friend of mine one day. You know, just you and your buddy 
talk about whatever. Uh, time travel comes up. Yeah. You know, who doesn't talk about that? Right, right. Of course, time travel. <laughs> and, right uh, after Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and I'd made the comment. I was like, you know, it, I would love to be able to go back and see myself in the hospital mm-hmm. and to say to the Noah lay in the hospital bed, you know, things are going to be fine. You're going to have some ups and downs. But, man, in 10 years, you're going to be impressed with where you're at. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I, I really think that the me in the hospital bed would think I was lying. And when I told my friend that, he goes, well, if you could time travel, why wouldn't you go back and stop what happened? And it was like there was this moment where I had to think about it, like, oh, well, I wouldn't. I would not change anything. I, I would love – I miss the military. Uh, I loved wearing the uniform. I loved having all my limbs. I mean, let's, let's be <laughs> honest. good things to have. <laughs> um, but where I am today, uh, the experiences I've went through, I needed, uh, and I feel like – I'm a better father, uh, brother, son. You know, I, I feel like I'm a better person because of all of it. And, you know, so because of that, why change anything? Why mess that up? Wow. Because, you know, I, I'm happy. That is just so incredible. I, I, I hope that anyone who ever goes through any level of trauma can hear what you just said. That I think what I think where people struggle because I think about as I was saying that, you know, I think about, you know, other veterans and their struggles they go through. Uh, and I feel like too often we hang on to the past. Mm-hmm. And what I had to realize was my time in the military I loved, but that chapter came to a close, and wow. I started a new one. So I still have it. I still have it in sure. my book, in my story of life, but I can't live in it. Yeah. And I think that happens too often. Uh, you know, it's it's something that has shaped me to who I am, and I'm proud of it, but now it's time to start another. Yeah, and, and the fact that, that you would go back – and just use the time, the time travel machine, which, by the way, you got to share with me because we can talk about that later. Um, the, the fact that you'd go back just to encourage yourself as opposed to make it more physically. And not really change anything. I would so still great. want me to go through the depression, but just yeah. to have a brief moment of yeah. saying, you're going to be okay. Yeah, and I hope that every person, I, I, I pray that every person that's going through trauma has a drop of that Noah Galloway in her, in her or his ear saying, hey, listen, it may not be the same. It may never be the same, but it's going to maybe even be in a way better. better. And that way of life is so bigger than the I got to get, I got to get, I got to look, I got to look race that mm-hmm. so many of us have no choice but to be, but to be stuck in. Yes. But just to get out of it and say – um, whatever you're going through in life, it's really not about you, right? Because mm-hmm. if it was about you, you'd say, hey, I need my limbs back. I want. It's, it's about what you can do for other people. Yes. And that is so much more. And what you're doing for other people right now um, is just un- un- incredible. I was saying, I was telling you last night, I was watching your videos with my little baby and I'm feeding him and I'm trying to like get his ear <laughs> to the thing going, listen to what this guy's saying. Like, you got to hear this. You got to hear this stuff because. If we all walked around with this stuff, we would push ourselves and push ourselves to becoming the people that we're meant to be. Let me ask you a question. Um, do you feel appreciated in our in our culture right now as a veteran? Do you feel like people appreciate you? I have, you know, what I have found is I wasn't around during Vietnam. Uh, you know, I've I've read, I've heard, I've talked to veterans and, and other people. Um, I couldn't imagine being a veteran in that time. Uh, but I, what I do know now is we as a country, we've learned. Uh, and I've met people of all different walks of life. doesn't matter if they're for or against the war. 
They've learned that you don't blame the troops. Great. You know, and they, they are all supportive. Uh, everywhere I've gone, and they and me being visibly injured, I stand out. Right. Uh, and everyone is being kind. Everywhere I've been, you know, I, I'm I, whether I'm in New York, I'm in you know San Diego, I'm out in Iowa, I'm back home in Alabama. You know, there are people that you know are very appreciative, and they, and they say it. And then sometimes, you know, what really impresses me are children. Mm-hmm. You know, young from you know eight, nine, or even sixteen. That on their own, you know, I'm walking through and they're, thank you for your service. Because, you know, that tells me they have parents that have instilled that in them. Yeah. You know, and so that, that, that only, not only makes me happy that for who that person is, but I see the entire family as good people yeah. without even meeting them. What does it do for you when someone says, thank you for your service? What does that feel like? Because I got to tell you, I've never served in the military, but every time I see somebody that was from the military, I say that. I say it to... I say to everybody in uniform. I'm saying yeah. that to like the guy in the street. If he, even if he's like you know standing in front of a building with a uniform on, I'm usually like, "Thank you for your service." Um, and I always wondered if it mattered. I always no, it wondered. does. You know, that's one thing that I've said because I've had people ask me, you know, what can we do more? What more can we do for veterans? Like there are things that can be done, but you know, I, to the average person, I'd say, you know, a simple thank you goes a long way. Yeah. And you know, a lot of us veterans stand down. Not all of us, but we've all seen the the gentleman with the hat on with pins on it or an insignia, a military insignia, or his shirt on, or, you know, he's, he's in his car and he's got, you know, a sticker on the window or a certain kind of tag, a simple thank you uh, goes a really long way yeah. um, because it, you don't have to do anything else. You know, I, I was proud of what I did. I, you know, I, I wanted to serve the country. And just hearing thank you uh, means a lot. It means that it, it doesn't go unnoticed. Yeah. And gratitude goes a long way. Yes. It goes a long way. Well, I got to tell you, it is such an honor to have you here. Um, and the fact that you are who you are really does inspire more people than I think you're ever going to meet. Well, and, I appreciate um, you saying that. And I, I just you know, want to thank you for not giving up because when you didn't give up, you made all of us have to not give up. <laughs> I got to tell you, I, I'm running for my first marathon coming up in January. Um, and I'm like, literally just, you know, complaining on the treadmill. And I saw your video and I'm like, shut up. <laughs> like, just, not, I just moved into a new neighborhood. <laughs> and when all the the fathers of the houses around me saw the pictures of me from Men's Health, they told me they're like, why, uh, did you, no. why are you showing up here with abs like that? <laughs> Like, no, no. My wife's going to make me work out. (laughs) So you create this, you set the bar higher, and and it's a good thing. And, you know, I'm sure you're running around, and I just want to thank you for your time here, and thank you for your service. Thank thank you you for being here. I really enjoyed this. I, you know, I enjoyed talking to you, and thank you so much for having me on. Amazing. That was Noah Galloway. He's with us in the studio. What an incredible, incredible guy. You got to check it out. Um, you go to noahgalloway.com, right? Noah, one last thing before you go. Armatron. How'd you end up in Armatron? I, was, I bought a $20 Armatron watch before my second deployment to Iraq. Wore it on my left arm. The explosion takes off my left arm. Uh, it's still there with me. Uh, so when I get to the medics, they the take... the arm's still there with you. Yeah, the arm's okay. still there, but not attached. Got it. Um... They take everything out of my pockets, put them in a Ziploc bag. They take the watch off the wrist, put it in a Ziploc bag. When I wake up in the hospital, I have this Ziploc bag with all the contents uh-huh. and a watch. And, you know, I move back to Alabama, put it in a drawer. It sits there during my depression, decide to get back in shape. I like to have a watch to keep time of things. I was like, well, let me check on that watch. Pulled it out, 
wipe the dried blood off of the face of it, still works, set the correct time, started wearing it on my right wrist. Oh, and every, all love my friends it. were like, you should reach out to Armatron. And then finally one day I did. Um, they loved the story, thought we'll just do a few things together. And they didn't know me from Adam. We all hit it off. They're like a family. And everything has gone so well that, you know, we're, we're doing even more together. It's been their idea to come out with a watch with my logo on the back casing. And the proceeds go to my charitable fund. What's you the know, name of that fund uh, again? No Excuses Charitable Fund. Oh, great. I, I'm, I'm helping out with the youth programs at the YMCA so kids can play sports. Operation During Warrior, where veterans are running races like I was doing, and Homes for Our Troops is building, you know, especially adaptive homes for injured veterans. And, you know, Armatron wants to work with me as much as I want to work with them, and it's been Phenomenal! Wow, that's great. And go to armatron.com, right? There's a limited edition coming out, I think. In it's December coming 15th? in December. Yes, December for 14th, right? Yes. Amazing. Noah, thanks again for coming Thank on the you. show. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network.